0: Welcome to the Survivor Series Trading Places, only on Kick It at 2, and your host, Dave Rosenbluth, where we cover historical matches in Survivor Series history with the roles reversed. And now, here is your host, Dave Rosenbluth. What's up, everyone? You heard it from the man himself, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and you've tuned in to another edition of Kickin' Out at Two. Our Trading Places series is back, and we are going to cover some historical matches in Survivor Series history, had the results gone in the other direction. That's right. We're going to talk about some of the, the elimination matches, the traditional Survivor Series elimination matches, as well as some of the grudge matches and title matches in Survivor Series history that have made the event the The Tent pole Fall Classic That it is today But before we do that Allow me to remind you all That if you want to be in on the discussion Be in on the fun Then join us over on social media Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2 That's right Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2 Hit the like button if you have not already If you have And you know someone that loves to talk Retro throwback pro wrestling Then send them over our way And tell them to hit the like button as well You can do the same thing on Twitter Our handle is at out 2 that's K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. The same fun and interactive discussions that we have with all the pictures, the videos, the articles that we have over on Facebook, we got that on Twitter as well. 140 characters or less though, but we still got it over on Twitter. Alright, getting into it this week, Uh, originally Justin was going to join me, we were going to sit down and we were going to discuss some of the the classic matches in Survivor Series history and try and map out the landscape of wrestling in the of those matches and where the storylines could have headed had the roles gone in the other direction however real life has come into play once again so i'm going to fly solo this week justin is currently in school right now and he's dealing with a uh, a group project and he's in finals and he actually goes does online classes for full sail university yes the same full sail university that uh wwe has uh nxt filming uh each and every week he does online classes for them and um so he's in the midst of graduating right now, so he's got a big project, a lot of stuff going on with graduation, I believe at the time of this recording, um, he'll be uh, close to uh, graduating within the next uh, next few days, week or so, or maybe even after this, who knows, but nonetheless, uh, Justin's going to be fairly busy, so I'm flying solo this week, and I thought, you know what, why not give it a shot, I think I did okay in our uh, our Halloween edition of, uh, of uh, Kicking Out of Two when we did the watch-along, this time not a watch-along, but I'm going to cover some of these uh, historic matches and try and uh do the do the concept justice justin came up with the idea when we were formulating different ideas for this show and he thought you know let's you know he, he had the concept i came up with the name trading places and you know we were off and it's probably my favorite show to record i love recording all the shows but my favorite where we really get into it and sink our teeth into a subject is trading places with my brother justin so i'm gonna try and do it justice and see what happens and hopefully we go from there hopefully you guys like it um this time around, with our Trading Places series, we're going to take Survivor Series matches from different Survivor Series over the years and break those down in hopes that uh, you know we can come up with a, I wouldn't say a better alternative, but an alternative that may get some of you fans thinking as to the what-if scenarios. What could have happened? Normally, last two Trading Places, we did um, Breakdown 1998 in your house as well as uh, SummerSlam 1997, and we covered those events. Well, this time around, we're just going to cover some matches from Survivor Series history, some matches that really, you know, the results of those matches really affected and shook things up, and we thought, well, why don't we take those results and put them in reverse and see if, you know, they'll have that same effect. So um, let's get started, and uh, wouldn't be fitting without covering Survivor Series And The Undertaker A big part of Survivor Series Made his debut in 1990 From my hometown Hartford, Connecticut The Hartford Civic Center Uh, He was the mystery man uh, Part of Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Team Um he was teaming with Teddy Biasi, Honky Tonk Man, and Greg the Hammer Valentine against the Dream Team of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Coco Beware, and the Hart Foundation, Bret the Hitman Hart, and Jim the Anvil Nighthart. Uh, Undertaker was a virtual unknown in the world wrestling in the in the world of wrestling at the time. He was uh, he was in WCW as Mean Mark Callis, uh, managed by Teddy Long, part of the Skyscrapers with Dan Spivey. At one point, he was managed by Paul Heyman, Paulie Dangerously. Uh, not so much of a memorable run there guys in wcw told him he wouldn't amount to anything in the business he almost quit wrestling and wwf gave him a call and said we could do something with you and they came up with this idea and the undertaker was born and you know it's 2018 and we still have the undertaker in present day uh, pro wrestling in wwe so go figure um shows shows how much those those folks over in wcw knew but uh this match here um the original Results that took place at the Survivor Series saw the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase uh, remain the sole survivor after eliminating Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, and DiBiase would later go on to be the team captain for the grand finale match of survival. Um, now, had the results gone in a different direction and Brett the Hitman Hart were to have gained the victory and become the sole survivor for his team, Where would have Bret Hart? Where would where would have it? How how much would his stock have risen? Let's think about this for a minute here, okay? This is November of 1990, and Bret Hart was a few months shy of competing in his last tag team match at a Wrestlemania with Jim the Anvil Neidhart they lost to the Nasty Boys and shortly after Wrestlemania Bret Hart's singles career in 1991 really took off Uh, he would go on to win the Intercontinental Championship from Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam of 1991 later that year but imagine if Bret had won this Survivor Series matchup by eliminating DiBiase and being the sole Survivor um, I could picture something like this taking place. I could picture them going with a Bret Hart in a solo run and maybe trying to do something else with Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Hell, they tried it a year prior. If Some of you remember out there, it was at the 1989 Survivor Series where Bret and Anvil uh, were not teaming together on Survivor Series teams. They tried toying with the idea of both of them in singles roles. Bret was a part of the 4x4s with... Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Hercules, and Rugged Ronnie Garvin as they took on the King's Court, Macho Man's team. And Jim Neidhart was a part of the Ultimate Warriors team with the Rockers against the Heenan family. So they had their thoughts before the 1990 Survivor Series on if these two guys could survive in singles roles. And I... I, I think this was a test run at the time they were trying to figure out where they stood in the next several years when it comes to guys like Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart and they obviously had their eyes on Bret uh because at the time in 89 they were focusing more on him in a singles role he was working a lot of uh uh live events and house shows against Mr. Perfect the model Rick Martel. uh he had a a great singles match against Randy Savage at one point I believe on a Saturday night's main event so they were toying with the idea of Bret Hart in a singles role in the mid card and and in 1990, a Bret Hart victory over DiBiase, I think, could have expedited the process even further to get him into a singles role in the mid card. I think you could have skipped WrestleMania, and maybe Bret Hart could have competed for the Intercontinental Title at WrestleMania. Maybe Bret Hart uh, winning that Survivor Series could have then, uh, you know, resulted in him having a a sustainable run in the Royal Rumble. You know, Royal Rumble has always been known for guys that. Um, you know, n- not only guys that win And guys that have memorable eliminations But guys that also, you know You have the the Iron Man title, so to speak Where there's a guy that lasts so long They always try to break a record every year With certain guys that they put in there Jericho's had the spot before John Morrison's had the spot before I believe DiBiase had the spot before Brett has done Brett could have been in that kind of role And if I'm not mistaken I believe that 91 Royal Rumble He was one of the first guys in And he had a, a fair amount of time in the Rumble uh, So I could, I, I could definitely see See, like 1990, a victory um, in, as a sole survivor um, of that team, and then moving on to maybe, you know, really showing what he's made of in the Royal Rumble to then eventually maybe earning an Intercontinental title match at. Uh, WrestleMania, or maybe even doing something with him and DiBiase at that WrestleMania, WrestleMania Seven. Who knows? But I, I think it's something that's definitely, d- definitely something that I could have seen them do at that time in in late 1990, early 91. Now, um, you also have to remember too, um, like I said in the beginning, DiBiase had the grand finale. You know, he was a part of the grand finale match of survival by winning that match, captain to team with Paul Roma, Hercules the Warlord, and the model Rick Martel and uh they for the it was the first and only time they ever did in survivor series history uh, but had brett won dbc wouldn't have been a part of that and therefore you had um on the other side of that that grand finale team you had wwf champion the ultimate warrior you had hulk hogan and you had tito santana who were all sole survivors um in that match um it was a five on three match so let's factor out DiBiase for a minute here if Brett won and was the sole survivor of the Dream Team and he would go on to team with Tito Santana, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Imagine now just imagine here for a minute sole survivor and winner has a good standing in that Survivor Series grand grand finale match let's say maybe he's let's say maybe he's you know they eliminate Tito and it's him and uh, Warrior and Hogan as the last three guys Imagine, you know, closing moments of that Survivor Series, Hogan, Warrior, Brett, all standing tall. If that's not a rub for Brett to hit Manhart in 1990, I don't know what is. But, realistically speaking, it probably, you know, it, it probably would have turned out, if Brett was even in that match, it probably would have still turned out that Hogan and Warrior were the sole survivors of that match. Brett would have probably gotten eliminated and probably done so in dramatic fashion, considering he really ran the gauntlet in the previous survivor series match with Dibiase and the dream team. So, uh, yeah, this is some, this is a scenario that I could definitely see playing out, uh, with, with Bret Hart, um, potentially, you know, expediting his singles career. And, uh, know a little bit earlier in in late 1990 early 1991 now let's turn the tables here for a minute because I mentioned him earlier Undertaker okay Undertaker made his debut at this event in this match and Undertaker's exit from this match came in the form of a count-out after he had beaten the American Dream Dusty Rhodes imagine if let's trade some places here a little bit just slightly imagine if it was undertaker who was the sole survivor and it was undertaker who laid waste to the heart foundation and brett the hitman heart and you know jim knightheart coco beware and dusty Rhodes, and he goes into the grand finale match of survival newcomer to the world wrestling federation goes into the grand finale match of survival with the the visionaries team of martel power and glory and the warlord um talk about you know Uh, skyrocketing to the top in a very quick fashion on your first night that would have been uh, definitely a memorable moment in Survivor Series history not that his debut wasn't but just imagine think about this for a minute here Undertaker in the main event of the very first of his very first WWE pay-per-view Survivor Series 1990 and he's standing across the ring from Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior in the grand finale match of survival Um, thinking about the landscape back then it uh, looks like they were trying different things. They were, te- you know, testing the waters with some with some guys, and uh, looked like Undertaker putting them putting a lot of stock into that character that early on. I could definitely see Undertaker having a good showing in that match. I here's what I could see. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. And like I said, with this training places concept, this isn't fantasy booking. This is just something that, like, you know what if okay not not like oh i want to see this guy face this guy for this belt and you know so on and so forth but in 1990 imagine if undertaker let's say um eliminates tito santana and then maybe gets disqualified for using a chair in the match against Hogan, and he's eliminated. And then maybe he, uh, before he leaves the match, he, he leaves his mark on the Ultimate Warrior and gives him a tombstone on that chair. And he's really roughed up his opponents, and the rest of the visionaries can just kind of pick off the bones. Um, what if Undertaker were to have done something like that? Could he have gone on to uh, a, a bigger rivalry with Hulk Hogan heading into WrestleMania in 91? Maybe. Could it have led to something with Tito Santana? Probably not. Um, could, it have done, could he have done something with the Ultimate Warrior at that WrestleMania? Maybe. Maybe. But you also got to factor in Randy Savage, too. Randy Savage was not a part of that Survivor Series event um, in in action. He, he cut a promo, and he discussed his desire to be the World Wrestling Federation champion. So you kind of also have to factor that in as well. Um, maybe, Undert- maybe Undertaker's... Um, path towards his greatness was what it was supposed to be. Maybe that's the better route than seeing Undertaker kind of really leave his mark on that Survivor Series, but wouldn't it have been pretty cool had Undertaker been the sole survivor of his team, go on to the grand finale match of survival and then lay waste to the two biggest names in WWF at that time. And I'm talking about Hulk Hogan and the champion at that time, the ultimate warrior. So, you know, there's a lot of what if scenarios we could throw on the table here um, to, to really see where undertaker would you know would and could have headed into 1991 but if you think about it here you know not too long after that wrestlemania he defeated Snuka, but then he got a piece of warrior and they had you know a series of coffin matches and body bag matches on the house show loops so maybe just maybe um if macho man wasn't on the sideline so to speak and he didn't um uh strongly express his desire to face the warrior for the wwf championship maybe we could have seen an ultimate warrior undertaker wwf championship match at wrestlemania 7 maybe that's when the streak could have started you never know you never know when it comes to uh trading places here on kicking out at two as we move along to our next match from 1991 involving the undertaker um undertaker challenged hulk hogan for the world wrestling federation championship they called it the gravest challenge and it was hulk hogan's toughest test to date probably the toughest since andre the giant and going into the match a lot of mind games uh, a, a lot of psychological warfare at at the at the hands of undertaker and paul bearer um when it comes to uh when it when it comes to uh, their their uh, their quest for the World Wrestling Federation Championship at Hulk Hogan, I'll never forget the famous uh, incident on the funeral parlor when Undertaker appeared from the 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 casket attacking hulk hogan and him and rick flair really putting the boots to hogan it was flair and hogan who really had the beef going and flair was kind of the one stirring it up flair had just made his appearance in the world wrestling federation as the real world's heavyweight champion and he was uh, a thorn in the side to hulk hogan as well as a number of guys when he first started and uh, the, he was there to really stir it up with hogan and Undertaker attacked him, and he ripped off the cross. And I'll never forget. You know, it was on Superstars of Wrestling. Randy Savage and Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, who were commentators with Vince McMahon at the time, which is, in my opinion, people th- people shit on the commentary, but that was probably one of the 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 most entertaining trios in all of wrestling uh i used to love the three of them together because it was you know vince who was you know straight laced and then you had piper who was off the wall and savage who was just even worse so it made for some some fun commentary if the match sucked you at least you knew that the the commentary was going to be entertaining you're going to get a kick out of it but nonetheless um getting back to what we were discussing here taker and hogan from survivor series 1991 uh, Piper and Savage made the save and they, they thwarted off The Undertaker and Ric Flair on the funeral parlor. And uh, I, I'll never forget as a kid, I was so happy to see them save Hogan, not just because to save Hogan, but like, I was like, oh, this is a cool super team. Hogan, Savage, and Piper, like, they should be a Survivor Series team. Like, add someone to the mix, like, I don't know, Ultimate Warrior or Texas Tornado or someone, or the Legion of Doom and, and have them face Flair and The Undertaker and a few other guys, you know. I was, I, I was, I, in my mind, I was trading places at that one point, or fantasy booking, uh, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, so I was really psyched to see um, uh, you know Hogan and Undertaker at, at Survivor Series. But I you know the way that they had built it up to me as a kid it felt like you know if hogan lost like that was the end of him like he was done you know that to me i, I even though i knew wrestling was predetermined at that time you know in 1991 at that survivor series i thought if undertaker beats him that hulk hogan and hulkamania is done for good what are they gonna do with hulk hogan is he ever gonna come back you know so um as history would tell us uh rick flair was a lot more involved than i would have liked as a kid as rick flair um brought a steel chair into the mix while the referee was distracted with paul bearer and the undertaker tombstoned hogan on that steel chair and if you look closely on the wwe network when you go back and you watch that survivor series you could see that hogan's head nor his shoulders were anywhere near that steel chair that was underneath and undertaker's knees took the brunt of that tombstone pile driver which you know safety first as always but um they could have cut to the cut uh, did a different camera angle or cut away real quickly when you know uh, Undertaker uh, made the impact to the map but uh that's just me being a, a a production critic so to speak but uh so Undertaker wins the title he's the WWF champion the blackest day in the history of Hulkamania has taken place as Hulk Hogan has lost his title to the Undertaker he was screwed Ric Flair interfered and the referee didn't see it and Undertaker was your new World Wrestling Federation champion now just imagine here, and we're going to have, and there's this match here, the result of this match spawned off into a number of different things that really set the tone for uh, early 1992, <clears throat> excuse me, and let's get into it, Okay. Let's say Undertaker didn't win, and let's say Hulk Hogan kept the title. Whatever the case may be, if Flair got involved, the referee rang the bell, or if Hogan beat Undertaker clean in the middle, or let's say Hogan took that chair from Flair while Paul Bear was distracted and nailed Undertaker, knocked him out, big boot, and a leg drop, and we're all done. Hulk- Hulkamania lives forever. Could that have been? Maybe. That's something that I could have seen take place in 1991. That's something I probably wanted to see take place in 1991. But think about this here for a minute, okay? Following the original results of this match with Undertaker and Hulk Hogan, and Undertaker winning the title, they had a rematch at the This Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view just a few short nights later. The results of that match saw Hulk Hogan win in his rematch and become the World Wrestling Federation champion. However, Ric Flair's involvement, Jack Tunney was involved, resulted in Hogan getting stripped of the title and the championship being put on the line at the Royal Rumble event in the 30-man Royal Rumble match, which saw Ric Flair win the title. Now, imagine this. Hulk Hogan winning at Survivor Series, defeating Undertaker, becoming the champion. Would we get the rematch at this Tuesday in Texas? Well, if, you know we're talking about the scenario I just discussed where Hogan grabbed the chair from Flair and he hit Undertaker with it and it backfired while the referee was distracted with Paul Bearer then yeah i could see a case made by Paul bear and the Undertaker that Hogan deserves a rematch or i'm sorry Undertaker deserves a rematch against Hogan at this Tuesday in Texas and i could see some kind of stipulation that Jack Tunney would implement where Flair's banned from ringside or um banned from the building or if uh you know flair gets involved he's you know no longer a part of the world wrestling federation um i could see something like that taking place but would the result of that match lead to the championship still being vacated at the royal rumble now if you think about it here for a minute if there were a rematch hogan and undertaker at this tuesday in texas um maybe flair maybe maybe flair would have a hand in the result of that match maybe you know jack tunney uh, you know wouldn't implement a stipulation where flair's banned from ringside and he shows up again but this time he's there to um you know to 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 get more involved than he was at survivor series a a few nights prior maybe we would see the world wrestling federation championship up for grabs in the 30-man royal rumble had hogan still been the champion but at the same time how would you get the title off of Hogan? Would Jack Tunney have to strip Hogan of the title because of Flair's uh, involvement in the match? If you think about it, he did that in the original finish when Hogan went for the for the title. At this Tuesday in Texas, Flair got involved. Jack Tunney got physically involved. That some you know uh, miscommunication. Hogan went after Flair, ended up nailing Tunney, and Tunney stripped Hogan of the title, even though it was Flair that caused the caused the issue to take place. And then he put the title up on the line in the 30 man Royal Rumble. I'll never forget. As a kid, I thought to myself, that's messed up. Hogan won the match. It wasn't his fault. It was Flair's fault. Hogan won the match. He shouldn't have to. Lose lose the title and so so there's that scenario there could you know could on could Hogan as champion if he had defeated Undertaker and went to the rematch at this Tuesday in Texas could we have seen that type of scenario I think so I think we could have seen a a a rematch with Hogan defending the title and maybe the flair involvement would then lead to Tunney Putting the title up for grabs in the 30-man Royal Rumble that's something I could definitely see and uh, something that's um, something that you know gets you guys thinking is to you know how this all could have played out because that's what this trading places concept is it's it's how things play out had the roles been reversed but um, you know flair being involved in the original finish uh, set up the rematch flair being involved in the the uh the, the rematch finish set up the Royal Rumble, so I think it would be hard-pressed not to have Flair involved to eventually get us to the Royal Rumble. Bottom line is, if we trade places and Hogan wins at Survivor Series and then defends the title at this Tuesday in Texas and Flair gets involved again, Tunney puts the title up for grabs, the, we get to the Royal Rumble. We get to the 30-man Royal Rumble match for the WWF Championship. Now, Here's a, here's an interesting scenario here. How does Macho Man play into this? How does Sid play into this? Okay, Macho Man at the time was just reinstated into the World Wrestling Federation because of uh, the actions of Jake the Snake Roberts and the King Cobra. And Sid was a... Uh, Uh, a hogan ally so to speak he was the he was the guy that uh you know um backed hogan uh, against the triangle of terror at SummerSlam in 91 even though he was the guest referee sid was very popular at the time and sid also um was one of the final three in that 92 royal rumble finish where does sid lay in all this where does macho man lay in all this do they are they still from are they? Do they still come into play later after the '92 Royal Rumble? Does Flair win the title, or is this Hogan getting redemption once again? I mean, I, I i could see i could see things going the way they did from from the Royal Rumble on. I, I, I really could. Um, I, I can't see anything changing too much, other than maybe um, finding a different way. To get the title off of Hogan, um, you know, going into you know, uh, coming out of this Tuesday in Texas. So, uh, yeah, that's that, that, that's where I stand when it comes to Survivor Series 1991, and uh, and and the the championship match between the Undertaker and Hulk Hogan. If Hogan wins, the rematch takes place, and then we get to the Royal Rumble in 1992, and we're off to the races for uh, for, for for WrestleMania Eight. Um, but you know what? Now that I think of it. This just kind of came to me, okay? Let's say, all right, here's another, here's another scenario. We're going to kind of go back a little bit. Let's say Undertaker wins the title at this Tuesday in Texas if Hogan had beaten him at Survivor Series and they had the rematch. And let's say Flair's the reason why Hogan lost the title where does Undertaker go to the Royal Rumble as the defending World Wrestling Federation champion? Does he go into WrestleMania defending the World Wrestling Federation title? Who does he defend it against? Randy Savage? Sid? Uh, is his alliance with Jake the Snake still intact? And what about Hogan? You know, the big dream match as wrestling fans back then was Hogan and Flair at WrestleMania for the title. You had Flair as the real real world's heavyweight champion bringing the big gold belt from WCW and you had Hulk Hogan who was, you know, the face of the World Wrestling Federation. The two biggest names at that, that time in wrestling history all under one roof would we have seen the dream match with hogan and flair without the title on the line at wrestlemania 8 stemming from the trading places scenario i just proposed That's something to think about, too, as well. As we move on here with our third match in the Trading Places concept, we're going to skip a few years, and we're going to go to 1994. It would be a submission match for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Bret the Hitman Hart would defend his World Wrestling Federation Championship against Bob Backlund. And in this submission match, uh, Bob Backlund had... uh, Brett's younger brother Owen Hart in his corner. And in Brett's corner he had his brother in law, the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Now, the object of this match is obviously make your opponent submit, but if he were to not submit, then it would be up to the responsibility of the corner man to throw in the towel. And Davy Boy made it clear in the weeks prior he would not throw in the towel no matter what brett said and uh owen and Backlund you know kind of did the same thing um as history showed us and this was a great finish too um owen hart was running away from davy boy smith and he tripped him up and davy boy's head hit the uh the steel steps he was out cold therefore resulting in brett not having a corner man to throw in the towel for him if he was in trouble and owen hart the uh the the evil genius that he is or was at the time um was begging and pleading Brett's parents, his parents, Stu and Helen, who were sitting in the front row for this championship match, to throw in the towel because he was so concerned that Brett's career was going to end as Bob Backlund was uh, applying the cross-faced chicken wing. Uh, Owen was in tears, if you remember. You go back to that Survivor Series and begging and pleading with his, his parents, and you could see the, uh, the, the differences between Stu and Helen. Stu wasn't buying it, and Helen, you know, obviously, you know, loves her son very much and would do anything for her children that she was she was buying into uh, Owen Hart's uh, uh, pleading and pleading his case to throw in the towel as Davy Boy was still knocked out and lo and behold reluctantly against Stu's wishes um, as Owen was continuing to beg his mother he even got down on his knees in front of the guardrail and begged her please throw in the towel um she got out of her chair, and she took the towel that was next to Davy Boy, and she threw it in the ring as Brett had not given up in the cross-faced chicken wing, which resulted in Bob Backlund winning the World Wrestling Federation Championship. The first time Bob Backlund had won that title um, since... Uh, Oh, shoot, I'm not even good with the year on this one. But the last time he was the champion was when uh you know, he lost to the Iron Sheik in nineteen eighty three, I believe. I think it was December of nineteen eighty three I wanna say. Or eighty four, maybe I could be wrong. But if anybody knows out there, I should I should know this because I'm doing this show and I should have this research, but I don't. Um However, uh, it'd been a number of years since I, I want to say it was like nine or ten years since Backlund had the title, and uh, Backlund at the time was doing like the crazy man gimmick, and he had lost his mind, and um, he he. He played it off really well because i mean i'll be honest with you in, in 93 94 i could have given a shit about bob Backlund. um as talented as he was in the ring um, he just hadn't he did nothing for me as a character he was very plain in an era of wrestling where you had to have some flashiness and you know a colorful character to yourself bob backland's lunacy um it, with this character really added another shelf life to him in his career in professional wrestling and in the WWF and winning the title. It was very shocking. And of course, you know, Backlund wins. Owen fools everyone. And he leaves with Bob Backlund, uh, bragging about pulling off the, uh, the, the biggest heist of the century as he convinced his parents to throw in the towel for Brett. Um, and it was just another case of him getting one over on Bret Hart in another manner. Uh, it was a few months prior, Bret had beaten him inside the steel cage at SummerSlam. My favorite steel cage match of all time. And th- that definitely, we will either do a watch along of that match or we will talk about that match at a later date here on Kicking Out at 2. Because that is my by far my favorite steel cage match in wrestling history. But Brett got the best of him at that SummerSlam, and then Owen was trying to get the best of Brett, but he had to have Bob Backlund do his dirty work, and then eventually he ended up being the one to really screw Brett. Um, And Brett was screwed before, you know, Brett Brett was screwed before Brett screwed Brett in Montreal, let's just put it that way, and we'll get to that later, but... um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite the scene to see Owen Hart um, what he pulled off in helping Bob Backlund win the World Wrestling Federation Championship. That's what history had told us. Now, let's trade places here for a minute. What if Bret the Hitman Hart kept his World Wrestling Federation Championship? Okay. What if Owen Hart threw in the towel? Okay, think about that for a minute here. Owen and Davey had an interaction on the floor leading to, you know, Davey getting tripped up and hitting the ring steps in the original finish. What if uh, Owen and Davey had an interaction on the floor, they were fighting back and forth, and Davey knocked Owen so hard that the towel fell in the ring and it appeared to the referee that Owen threw in the towel for Backlund that's something to think about something to ponder here something you know that, that 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 I don't think they were that creative back then in 1994 but um that'd be something interesting I could get behind for sure seeing uh you know uh, Owen accidentally costing Bob Backlund the World Wrestling Federation Championship maybe leading to an Owen Hart Bob Backlund rivalry where Bob Backlund really loses his marbles and he takes it out on Owen Uh, I don't know how long that could go or how far that could go but um that's something that could be interesting that I could see and get behind uh or what if here's another scenario um Let's, uh, let, let's not trade places, and let's say that Backlund still won the championship. But what if it was Davy Boy who threw in the towel for Brett out of frustration and, and, and Owen kind of banning the family to, uh, against him? You know, at one point earlier in that year, it was Jim the Anvil Neidhart who was in the corner of Brett in the championship match against Diesel at the King of the Ring pay per view. And it was Neidhart who cost Brett the match by jumping in and attacking Diesel. But the real plan was, was that he did that so that Owen Hart could win the King of the Ring and then have an opportunity as brother Brett for the World Wrestling Federation title. He wanted to make sure Brett was still the champion. So all along, Anvil was in the back pocket of his brother in law, Owen. What if something similar were to take place in that regard with Davy boy being in the back pocket of Owen and this was a family thing and and Owen had banned had tried to ban as many family members against brett i mean it, it's not it's not plausible to to uh to think that you know Brett and Davy couldn't have a rivalry couldn't couldn't you know engage in a in a uh, in a rivalry they had that classic at summerslam in nineteen ninety two I mean it could be something that you know. I could definitely see something like that. But how does that affect going forward? Now, if you remember the original finish, Bob Backlund only was the champion for a couple of days because he lost the title to Diesel in Madison Square Garden in like a record seven or eight seconds, whatever the whatever the case was. And that catapulted Diesel as being the top guy. Now, as a kid at 11 years old, 10, 11 years old, um, I didn't picture... Um, diesel being the WWF champion that just kind of came out of nowhere I know that um, he was the intercontinental champion and he was a tag team champion with Shawn Michaels and they kind of had that friction where there was a lot of miscommunication between Michaels and diesel he had superkick diesel a couple of times resulting in uh, diesel losing the intercontinental championship at the uh, SummerSlam and then they had that uh, that great tag team match on the action zone against Razor Ramon the one two three kid which is an absolute classic um and, uh, yeah, Diesel got hit with the super kick again. Now, in the Survivor Series match, third time's a charm. Diesel was doing all the legwork. He was eliminating guys left and right. And all of a sudden, Michaels goes to super kick razor but razor moves boom nails diesel and at that point that's when things really started to heat up and razor ramon would end up winning the uh the survivor series match as the entire team of diesel Shawn michaels jim neidhart jeff jarrett and owen hart all left the ring there was uh you know diesel basically was chasing off sean and then the other three were trying to stop diesel and trying to stop sean from from fighting and so you know razor was the sole survivor but um I still don't understand how Diesel became the the number one contender. I know that in commentary they were um, they were really hyping up uh, Diesel as this big powerhouse because he was eliminating guys left and right. But I wasn't I wasn't aware of how that. Resulted in him getting an opportunity at the World Wrestling Federation Championship against Bob Backlund. Now, if we trade places here, does Diesel and Michaels break up and Diesel have that breakout performance at that Survivor Series resulting in a title match against Bret Hart at Madison Square Garden? Who knows? I mean, that's something to look at. Does D, D in nineteen ninety four Diesel does not certainly beat Bret Hart in eight seconds? I'll be honest with you. I'll go. I'll go on record as saying, at that time, Bret Hart was one of their was, if not the top star in the World Wrestling Federation in nineteen ninety four. And I certainly do not see them having Diesel get one over on Bret Hart. Could I see maybe um, maybe Diesel? And Brett in the garden and Sean getting involved, costing Diesel the match, and Brett still being the champion? Maybe. Does that result in maybe Diesel and Sean going to WrestleMania um, in a singles match like they did that year at WrestleMania 11, but the title not on the line? Very possible. I I, I I could get behind something like that um i think for that to happen too it would also um, have to erase Shawn michael's uh 1995 royal rumble performance if you think about it here for a minute uh diesel would have to uh either eliminate Shawn or cost sean the opportunity at the at, uh, in the royal rumble match would that result in a rematch with diesel and Shawn at the royal rumble for the championship? Um, in 1995, we saw the match take place and we saw Sean and Jeff Jarrett and Road Dog and Bob Backlund and Owen Hart get involved. But would we see that match take place stemming from a potential Diesel Brett match at the Garden? Um, It seems like the history between Sean and Diesel on television uh, was that they had great matches against each other, but there was always some kind of shenanigans. So uh, if you go back to King of the Ring 94, like I said, Anvil interfered. If Brett wins at Survivor Series and then Diesel gets a shot at Madison Square Garden a few nights later, do we see the same finish from Royal Rumble 95 that we do in the Garden a few months prior? That's a possibility as well. Do we see that finish take place and then... Maybe a rematch between Bret and Diesel with some kind of special stipulation like a lumberjack match or a cage match at the 1995 Royal Rumble. That's possible as well. Maybe we do get some kind of a match with Bret and Diesel in a cage and Shawn somehow makes his way into the cage to cost Diesel the match and Bret is still the World Wrestling Federation champion, which then results in Diesel returning in the royal rumble match eliminating sean and costing sean his opportunity at the world championship for wrestlemania 11 if you remember at that same royal rumble Bret hart cost owen hart and bob Backlund their opportunities in that royal rumble match because they cost him the wwf championship earlier in the evening so it's something that i think we could all see and get behind as well um but at the same time does that leave brett where does that leave Bret hart I mean, it's 1995. Who's he going to go up against that's going to make for a very compelling WrestleMania match for the WWF championship? I mean, we saw at WrestleMania 11, he was in an I Quit match with Bob Backlund, and that match was the fucking shits. It was horrible. They had to to put Roddy Piper in as the referee just to make it somewhat interesting, and it really wasn't that interesting to begin with. Um, So could we see Bret Hart uh, defend the World Wrestling Federation Championship at WrestleMania 11? And against who? I mean... Lex Luger at the time, they kind of were soured on the Lex Express, and he was in a tag team role with Davey Boy. So, you know, they they weren't big on the idea of Lex being in the title picture anymore, so I really can't see that. Um, Razor Ramon was a, a a big name in the Intercontinental Championship picture, so I can't see Bretton Razor at that WrestleMania. Um, you know, like I said, Bretton Backlund for the title, maybe, but I mean didn't really have much interest it didn't have my interest as much as a kid um may here's an here's an interesting scenario um instead of uh yoko zuna debuting as owen hart's tag team partner against the smoking guns what if we did a Bret hart yoko zuna rematch for the wwf championship now it would have been the third wrestlemania in a row that brett and yoko were headlining that event but i think people would still kind of get behind it and this was also 1995 so i mean you know in 1995 uh you know we had um we had Aldo Montoya's and we had Garbage Men, and we had uh we had The Goon and we had all different kinds of uh you know Mantar uh Dean Douglas all kinds of uh you know w- weird crazy characters so I don't think a Yokozuna Bret Hart WrestleMania championship match would be that far out of the realm uh maybe a Bret Owen championship match at WrestleMania I mean Owen You know, Brett kind of got his revenge on Owen by winning in the cage, but could we see the two of them at WrestleMania again? And this would be like the trilogy. This is the third and final match for the championship. The first one was at WrestleMania 10. The second one in the cage at Survivor Series. The third one, maybe, at WrestleMania 11 for the title. And, and, you know, it it settles it with the three of them. That's something. That's probably the, 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 the best scenario I think I could get behind. Although, like I said, it just popped in my head. Maybe instead of Shawn and Diesel at that WrestleMania in a grudge match we see Shawn and Brett for the World Wrestling Federation Championship at WrestleMania 11 possibilities are endless i mean you know Shawn getting screwed by Diesel in that Royal Rumble in 95 if the, if the, now this is all pending of course the trading places scenario i'd mentioned with brett keeping the title a lot of things could spawn off of this that i think are very plausible at this time in 1995 in the world wrestling federation as we move on again here 1996 we're gonna we're gonna dissect three matches from 1996 at the survivor series madison square garden um one of the more memorable survivor series in wrestling history as. uh The first match we're going to cover is a traditional Survivor Series elimination match. It was the debut of The Rock, Rocky Maivia, the Blue Chipper. That Blue Chipper material right there, folks, that's going to be the man someday, as uh, quoted by the good old J.R. Jim Ross. Um the rock rocky Villa, was a part of a team with wild man mark merrill the stalker barry windham and jake the snake roberts as they teamed up against uh hunter hearst helmsley accompanied by mr perfect you had crush uh jerry the king lawler and the bizarre gold dust who had marlena in in his corner um History saw that on this night, it was all about debuting a new guy, and that was Rocky Mayavia, the blue chipper, as JR would say, and uh, we know that his his success didn't really um, take to following this match. It took a little longer for him to be as successful as the company wanted him to be, of course, They wanted him as this, you know, smiley, you know, clean-cut, good guy, you know, guy next door, everyone loves. And in 1996, wrestling was changing. The fan base was changing. People's viewing habits, as I like to say, uh, were a little more sophisticated at that time. And people were not buying, um, you know, Guy Smiley, Rocky Maivia um, in 1996. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, he won the Intercontinental title from Hunter Hearst Helmsley in 1997 that didn't really do a whole lot and then he went down with an injury in the spring of 97 but then he came back in late 97 to to join the nation of domination and um embrace the hate that the audience was uh, was was giving him and the rest is history he he really took off and and became a a big star uh following his return from that injury in late 1997 but however we're trading places here so let's think about this for a minute there's three different trading place scenarios or even four i should say that i think are uh, that i think could have well i should say i'm sorry let me go back three there's definitely three different trading place scenarios that i feel could have been um Something we were to see in 1996. History saw Rocky Maivia, sole survivor, coming out the victor uh, in his WWF debut at the 1996 Survivor Series. But, what if it was Rock all by himself and he had the four of those individuals to 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 handle all by himself. Let's say Jake Roberts, Barry Windham, and Mark Merrill were all eliminated from this match and it was Rocky Maivia against all odds against you know the King's team. Let's say, for instance, Rocky Maivia gets a pinfall victory over Jerry the King Lawler. Lawler, an established guy at that time in 1996, obviously from his days in Memphis, but um, even with the WWF audience, he was very well established. He wasn't a full-time performer. He was a commentator, and uh, they put Lawler in spots when they needed him. He was he was, you know, pretty much their utility player at the time in 1996. He had done something with Jake the Snake Roberts um, and the, the rivalry he had with him. I think this was kind of part of the blow-off a little bit with him and Jake as a part of this Survivor Series match. But let's say Rocky Maivia gets a victory over Jerry Lawler. All right? Jerry Lawler, like I said, established. It kind of puts a feather in Rocky Maivia's cap that he beat a legend in Jerry Lawler. But he, what if you were to fall short against all three of these guys? Sole Survivors, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Crush, and Gold Dust? Okay? Let's look at these scenarios here for a minute. If it's all three guys who's to say that the audience would get behind Rocky Maivia um, coming up short against these three guys. 1996. I'm not sure if that's even possible. Okay. But let's think about it here for a minute. This, this time in 1996, I believe Hunter Hurst Helmsley was just getting out of the doghouse from the infamous click curtain call incident at Madison square garden in May of that year. And, um, if, Rocky Mayavia were to fall short to a Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Maybe we could have seen Hunter Hurst Helmsley's um you know uh ascension to the top begin just a little bit earlier at that Survivor Series over the rookie Rocky Mayavia, and maybe um moving forward some kind of a singles run between uh you know the two of them earlier. Maybe the audience would have embraced Rocky more had he gone up against the Greenwich aristocrat, the blue blood Hunter Hurst Helmsley. If Hunter Hearst Helmsley were to be the sole survivor and win, he was the intercontinental champion at the time he had beaten Mark Merrow a few weeks prior. So, I mean, adding this to, um, to his resume, I think would have, um, would have really helped further cement how he's not in the doghouse with WWF management at that time. So that's a, that's a scenario I could definitely see. Um, crush let's say rocky maivia lost to crush and crush was the sole survivor crush was an island unto himself for for uh uh, that time period he had just returned to the world wrestling federation i believe he had in in real life he had done some time in prison for some drug charges i want to say and uh they kind of uh used um his prison time as a part of his character and so to really add more to the presentation of crush maybe crush um Pulling out a dominant victory and performance in that Survivor Series, becoming the sole survivor, could have um, could have really helped build his stock because, like I said he wasn't doing a whole lot he was managed by clarence mason who then not too long after that formed the nation of domination but they just kind of threw crush in there with farouk and and that was how the nation was born so i mean maybe if there was a little bit more of a backstory and maybe if um clarence mason and uh you know, maybe he, it, maybe if Farouk kind of scouted Crush following the Survivor Series victory after he beat the rookie and became the sole Survivor, maybe that would have been an, uh, a, a more um, interesting way to, to pair them together. I don't think Crush would have gone very far, I'll be quite honest with you. Um, even with the victory in that Survivor Series, I don't think he, I, at best, I could see maybe Crush working with Undertaker. At that WrestleMania, and that's probably as high as he would go. Um, but I don't see like major things for Crush now. There's Goldust, okay, and uh, let's say, for instance, if Goldust were to have gotten that victory, um, but you know, defeating Rocky Maivia, but you know, kind of at the expense of his partner, you know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. It was not too long after this pay per view um, in the original fin- in the original uh, scenario that uh gold dust and hunter Hurst helmsley kind of had a um had a, uh, a a beef of sorts as hunter kind of had a thing for marlena and that eventually turned gold dust into a good guy um what if gold dust were to have gotten the victory over rocky mayavia like i said at the expense of uh hunter Hurst helmsley maybe there would have been some sort of miscommunication between the two arguing getting physical uh resulting in um You know, via pinning Hunter and then maybe Goldust sneaking in for the victory and and getting the win. Or here's another scenario that we got here. What if Goldust and Triple H were the two guys left standing and they both defeated Rocky via, And then maybe we saw um, Hunter Hurst Helmsley kind of pull Marlene in for a big hug and maybe try to smooch her a little bit. And then that's where things start between the two of them. I mean, it's very possible, uh, in my opinion, that 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 kind of a scenario could have taken place. But um, nonetheless, I think um, a Gold Dust uh, victory by himself, uh, you know, could have expedited his run as a good guy even further. I think a feather in, in Hunter Hearst Helmsley's cap um, really could have cemented him. Um, even farther even though you know following this he seemed to have been out of the doghouse i think this could have added some more stock to his character um and uh crush a dominant victory by crush over rocky mayavia and being the sole survivor of that team i think would have definitely helped his character and added something to um to, to his resume that i think he kind of needed at that time in 1996 but here's another scenario something i don't think they would have done in 1996 but you know what if what if rocky Mayavia were to have fallen short whether it's against one of those guys three of those guys all four of those guys and just you know didn't quite measure up didn't get the victory and they kind of started a um a losing streak storyline with him where you know he's wrestling royalty his grandfather's you know high chief Pierre maivia his dad's rocky johnson he was expecting and hoping for big things and he fell short in his debut at the survivor series what kind of what kind of trajectory could the rock have gone on um where would his where would where, what path would the rock take um following this this devastating loss at the 1996 survivor series that's something i think would have been a little more interesting and something i could definitely sink my teeth into because you know people like stories of guys coming up from underneath uh underdog stories guys of you know stories of guys struggling to 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 make it to the top and then finally making it um maybe rock losing and coming up short and um, fighting from underneath maybe the audience wouldn't have reacted the way they did to him in the months following this maybe you wouldn't have heard rocky sucks or die rocky die maybe the people would have been behind him maybe we could have seen you know his um his ascension to the top a less rocky road so to speak with, you know no pun intended um that's something i i could sink my teeth into personally but uh i think there's a lot of different what if scenarios and trading place um scenarios that for this match would have been very intriguing moving forward as uh we continue with 1996 and these next two matches are kind of um interlinked with one another and i'm talking about bret hart and stone cold steve austin and psycho sid and Shawn michaels for the wwf championship Um, brett and austin uh, it was technically a number one contender's match. Austin had called Brett out, out of retirement, I guess you could say, and wanted an opportunity at the Hitman. And at the last minute, Brett came through. He said he'd wrestle. He said he'd come back to beat Steve Austin, and they made it a number one contender's match. And the winner would get an opportunity at the In Your House It's Time pay-per-view event. Uh, let's start with that match. I mean... Bret Hart was in 1996, uh, returning after you know several months being on the sidelines. He had taken some time off. I believe uh, his contract had run out, and uh, he was taking some time. He was you know doing some television shows, and um, I believe he worked a couple of like overseas tours, like in Kuwait um, and maybe a European tour. But for the most part, he was off TV for a good part of 1996, following his loss to Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12 in that Iron Man match. And so Brett was coming back red hot and it was during a time period in wrestling where they needed Brett, uh, because, you know, that was the early infancy of the new world order storyline. And it was, you know, the Hulk Hogan turning bad with, uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash who had left earlier in 1996. And, you know, WWF really needed to keep a hold of Brett. Otherwise, uh, they were really going to let go of things and it wouldn't have been good. Um, but Brett came back and, uh, uh, the ru- the rumor has it is that Allegedly he was interested in working with Steve Austin and he had expressed his Desire to work with Austin and that's How they set this whole thing up and Austin Did the storyline of calling him out and Austin had won the King of the Ring earlier that Year uh, it was slated to be Triple H but unfortunately Triple H Was involved in that infamous curtain call In that same building in Madison Square Garden In 1996 so they gave it to Austin And we come to Survivor Series Both guys um on a path of you know success. Um Austin of course having a red hot you know several months following that King of the Ring. And uh you know Bret Hart, like I said, returning and a fresh face in the mix once again. Um history showed us that Bret Hart and Steve Austin tore down the garden and had a fantastic match. Uh, people remember the, the the Brett Austin submission match from WrestleMania with the image of Austin locked in the Sharpshooter and the blood streaming down his face. But this match doesn't get talked about enough, and I'm talking about the the match of Survivor Series. Great match, and uh, history saw Bret Hart come out the victor after. Um, uh, it was the, it was the wrestlemania 8 finish where he was in the sleeper hold and he kicked his feet up the top rope and used all of his leverage and his momentum to fall back on austin and austin's shoulders were down for the mat and the referee made the count and brett was the winner but imagine if the roles were reversed imagine if the results had gone in the other direction what if stone cold steve austin defeated brett the hitman hart to become the world wrestling or to become the number one contender for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Let's think about that for a minute here, okay? Bret's returning. It's 1996. Uh, WWF is in the middle of a a war with WCW, uh, with the television ratings. Uh, It's the early infancy of the New World Order. Um, Bret Hart is a known face to WWF viewers, uh, being on top for uh, a few years prior Following the departure of Hulk Hogan and seeing Bret Hart lose in 1996 in his return match is not something that I I, I think they would they would entertain at that time in 1996. I think the reason why um, they put Bret with Austin was because they. Um, they, they knew they'd work well together and they had big plans for Austin and but they also kind of had to reintroduce Brett because Brett had been gone for a while so Steve Austin defeating Brett Hart and becoming the number one contender um, to face the the WWF champion um, at the next pay-per-view in your house it's time uh, regardless of who the champion was uh, going into that pay-per-view if Austin were to win that Survivor Series I honestly couldn't see Austin winning the championship at that time. Um, Let's say, for instance, it's Shawn Michaels, and Shawn Michaels were to have been the champion, okay? Um, Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin had some great matches on the house show loops in 1996, and uh, a lot of people thought that that should have been a rivalry on television. I would have gotten behind it. For sure to see it in 1996 But I think Austin probably would have been um, Another one on the list of, of guys that Shawn Michaels had defeated in 1996 Following his uh, his championship victory over Bret Hart At that WrestleMania uh, from the Iron Man match So uh, I don't see Austin going very far With the title this early on um, I could see him putting out a good performance against Michaels but, I, but following a victory over Brett, it puts a feather in his cap. But I think his momentum gets cut short uh, going up against Shawn Michaels at the next pay-per-view in your house. It's time. Um, now, we just talked about it. You know, let's say, for instance, you know, I said Austin winning and beating Brett. But we just talked about Shawn potentially being the champion. Now we have Shawn and Sid. Okay, Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Uh, urban legend has it that this was originally supposed to be the, um, the the second match in the Shawn Michaels-Vader trilogy that was set to take place. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Vader wrestled at SummerSlam in 1996. And, you know, at the time, Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, as the champion uh he was he was working with just about everyone all guys all different shapes and sizes vader was you know one of the biggest guys he had been in the ring with at that time in 96 they had a great match at that summer slam but apparently Shawn michaels didn't feel the same way there was a moment in that match where vader had messed up a spot and Shawn michaels live on pay-per-view um basically kind of embarrassed him and and went off script or whatever the case is and told him to move and called him an asshole. There was a spot where he was supposed to miss the elbow drop and Michael's in midair stopped and was like, move you asshole. And he kicked him in the head or then it, then it just, the urban legend is, is that, you know, politically Michaels used his stroke to, to cut Vader's legs out from underneath them. And the, the run of Vader in the main event and potentially for the WWF championship that was put to bed. Thanks to Shawn Michaels, urban legend. I'm not saying it's true, but that's, those are the stories I've heard. So originally it was supposed to be Shawn and Vader for the title. And this was supposed to be the match where Shawn was supposed to lose to Vader, which would set up their rematch at the Royal Rumble in 97 in San Antonio, Shawn Michaels hometown uh vader didn't you know vader wasn't in that match so vader um didn't get the opportunity sid was in his place in fact sid beat vader at the in your house buried alive pay-per-view to earn an opportunity at Shawn michaels at that survivor series and him and sean at the time were on-screen buddies they had tagged up against Cornette and uh, you know camp Cornette and his goons owen and davy boy and vader and uh so they kind of had like this you know they they were friends but they acknowledged the history the two of them had um, as enemies if you remember a year prior in 1995 it was the night after Wrestlemania 11 when Shawn Michaels came so close to becoming the World Wrestling Federation champion that it was thwarted thanks to the referee knocked out on the ground and he blamed Sid for that because Sid was trying to get the referee back in the ring and the referee allegedly rolled his ankle and Michaels blamed Sid for for stopping the referee from making the three count um so he told Sid to take the night off and Sid didn't take too kindly to it and dropped him with three power bombs and Diesel made the save and we had good guy Shawn Michaels um you know in, in the World Wrestling Federation him and Diesel were you know fast friends once again and so uh you know, they had a, a little run up and down, you know, Sean and Sid, uh, Sid was part of the Million Dollar Corporation, uh, managed by the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, so they had some some run-ins with each other in 1995, and their history was kind of acknowledged going into their Survivor Series championship match, but they also acknowledged, you know, the, they acknowledged the good, that they were, you know, friends, but, you know, also enemies, and if they could trust each other and you know if this is going to be a uh if they're going to you know play by the rules or if if things are going to get down to the nitty-gritty and uh this championship match is probably uh one of my one of the most underrated survivor series championship matches in history uh people don't remember this match a whole lot but sean and sid had a great match in the garden and in 1996 the sophisticated uh Viewing habits of wrestling fans were certainly on display as they were not big Shawn Michaels fans. They were more into Sid, and the crowd was very pro-Sid, and you could hear it, and it was something that was different um, at that time. It was very rebellious. New York fans have always been very rebellious, but it was uh, very apparent during this match. And uh, history saw that Psycho Sid would walk away with the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Uh, he would he would uh, use the television camera that was brought into the ring um, while the referee was knocked out, and he would use it on Shawn Michaels' manager, trainer, mentor, Jose Lothario, and he would cave his chest in, causing Lothario to be knocked off the apron and onto the floor, resulting in Michaels going to uh, tend to his mentor, um, hoping that you know he's okay, showing concern for the, uh, the, the 62-year-old Jose Lothario after what Sid had done to him. Sid took advantage of that situation, nailing Michaels in the back with the camera, then powerbombing him on the floor, rolling him into the ring, delivering another powerbomb, and then Getting the one, two, three to become the World Wrestling Federation champion at the Survivor Series—a um, a decision that the the New York City audience was very much behind. They got behind it wholeheartedly, and um, it was very controversial. So um, let's just let, let let's let's kind of you know let, let, let's dive into it here, okay? And we're going to kind of go back and forth between the brett austin match and the the the, the sid sean match so let's say sean won okay i mentioned it earlier sean austin great match good enough to headline that in your house pay-per-view but i think austin would just be another notch on sean michaels bedpost um, of all the guys that he had knocked off in 96 between diesel diesel Davy Boy Smith, Vader, Mankind. He had a series of matches with Goldust, I believe, on TV and in the house shows. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, I think he wrestled. Uh, Steve Austin, he, he wrestled Austin in house shows. Um, it would just be another you know, notch on the bedpost of Shawn Michaels, and I don't think Austin would have gotten very far. I'm not saying Austin wouldn't have been as successful in wrestling following this match, because I, I'm, I'm sure as shit he will. I'm sure as the day is long, Shawn, or Stone Cold Steve Austin would have been a big deal in pro wrestling and then WWF following that loss to Shawn Michaels at that in your house had those trading places scenarios taking place, but let's go to, okay, Shawn wins and we go back to Brett and Austin and let's say Brett is the winner. Brett did win. Let's say Shawn won and they go Brett and Shawn in your house. It's time. I mean, it's a match. Everyone would want to see but at that time in 1996 I think that they would save that match for a Royal Rumble or a Wrestlemania it was rumored to take place at the Wrestlemania in 97 in Chicago (laughs) Wrestlemania 13 and allegedly Shawn Michaels lost his smile and they had to rearrange the entire card but um, I could get behind Shawn and Bret in your house it's time and I could see a very similar finish to that match with maybe some involvement from Sid or maybe some involvement from stone cold Steve Austin. Maybe, um, you know, Austin. Maybe 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 Austin screwing Brett. In that match in your house, it's time against Shawn Michaels would then further catapult their issues. Because we saw at the Royal Rumble in 1997 that Austin was eliminated by Brett when the referees were distracted with another elimination involving Mankind and Terry Funk. Austin snuck back in the ring. He dumped everyone out. Referees saw Austin was the winner. So maybe the issues between Austin and Brett intensify a little bit earlier with Austin Costing Brett the championship at that in your house against Shawn Michaels. Now let's let's trade some places once again. Championship match. Sid wins, okay? But Austin is the winner over Brett. The probably the least likely scenario, only because I don't think at that time in 1996, Vince McMahon and the and World Wrestling Federation management and the writers and the bookers or whatever you want to call them would have been behind two bad guys facing one another. Um, I, I think they would have it would have given the fans an option to choose, and I think we probably would have seen Austin. I'm betting and this is this is this is very bold but I'm betting if we saw Austin and Sid I think the fans would have turned Austin. I think we could have seen good guy stone cold Steve Austin, the hero, the 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 rebellious stone cold Steve Austin. I think we could have seen that a little bit earlier had he gone up against Sid for the WWF championship. I think Austin's performance against Brett put um put him in the eyes of of wrestling fans as someone to be respected for his for his ability in the ring and i think that that respect would have translated over to them getting behind him going up against sid for the championship at that in your house it's time but like I said, it's 1996, and there was a lot of things going on. You kind of had to please a lot of guys at that time because you know WCW was really getting gaining momentum with this NWO thing. So if Vince McMahon, if Vince McMahon at that time shut out Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels from the main event picture, and had Sid and Austin headline that pay per view, I'm sure in Vince's mind there would have been a good chance that Austin, or I'm sorry, that Bret or Shawn would have jumped ship to WCW and would not have been very happy with the results of uh, of, of Vince's creative decisions. Excuse me. As we... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 funny how the, the scenarios kind of play out and how things work, but um, yeah, the, the, those two matches were so linked together because of the stipulations and because of the history that Sean had with Brett and now with Austin and then Sid's involvement. I mean... Um, would we have seen, here's here's, a, here's an interesting scenario, okay? Sid, let's say we go with the original finishes. Sid defeats Shawn in controversial fashion. Brett defeats Austin, okay? Now, we know that, you know, the, the, the winners of each of those matches scheduled to meet at the In Your House It's Time pay-per-view in December of that year in 1996. What if they decided, you know what? We're going we're gonna to make a big blockbuster match to really sell this pay-per-view. Let's go with Sid defending the title against Sean, Austin, and Brett. Fatal four-way in your house. It's time for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Something I think a lot of people could get behind. Something that um, I definitely would have paid money to see. Uh, four big names like that in the ring for the championship. However, how does that affect things going forward with the Royal Rumble? Um, is it a four-way elimination is a four-way sudden death one fall to the finish Um, who takes the pinfall does Sid keep the belt do they put it back on Sean do they put it on Brett do they dare even put it on Austin I mean a a lot of moving parts in a scenario like that that I think could affect um, the 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 path that they were on I think if they were to go in that direction I could have seen something like Brett and Sean maybe costing each other the opportunity at the title to eventually lead them to their match at mania being the start of their um their rivalry and their angle heading into wrestlemania at that time because that was the rumor brett and sean i don't know if it was for the title but the rumor was brett and sean at wrestlemania in 1997 so you, you, you kind of got to factor that in there if, if that were to be the case then i could see something where sid were to have uh beaten Austin in a, in a sudden death match or if it is you know fatal four-way elimination maybe Sean and Brett eliminate each other and get counted out and you know it's down to Sid and Austin and you know you don't take any shine off of Brett and and, and Sean because Sean just lost the belt um, but he never got pinned in this four-way and Brett won the opportunity to get this up op- this championship and he had to wrestle three you know, three other guys instead of the one guy he's con- he thought he was contractually obligated to wrestle. So maybe that could have been something where that started, you know, Bret Hart's um uh turn to the dark side so to speak his heel run uh maybe this would have been another case of brett feeling like he got screwed once again originally brett and sid headlined this event and sean michaels is on commentary and sean got involved and brett thought that sean screwed him out of the opportunity to become the world wrestling federation championship and this was a part of Bret hart's campaign that the world wrestling federation was out to screw him heading into 1997 so um I could definitely see something like that transpiring and occurring, but a lot of different cool scenarios for that time in 1996. But if I were to, if I were to be a betting man, I think the likely scenario of Brett and Sid is probably the most safe one out of the two, the original, um, because, uh, you know, Brett was just coming back, and they were saving him for Shawn at WrestleMania, and they needed something big for him to do to really hype up his return. And it was 96, and they were getting killed by WCW. So let's put him in a title match on pay-per-view against a a big name like Sid. So that definitely makes sense. Um, While we're on the subject of Brett, let's continue here with our Survivor Series trading places and discuss probably the most infamous Bret Hart match and the most infamous— Survivor series match in history. And I'm talking about the Montreal screw job. Brett the Hitman Hart defending the World Wrestling Federation championship against the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. Um fantasy and reality meet all in one shot and really change the course of wrestling history uh as we know it. Um little backstory here, I guess. Uh Brett and Sean had their issues personally. They couldn't stand each other. They wanted nothing to do with each other. And, uh, you know, Brett Brett felt that, you know, what else is he able to do in the World Wrestling Federation? Vince wanted to cut his contract and, um, you know, it says he couldn't afford him. And Brett felt, you know, well... You know, I've given you my my blood, my sweat, my tears, and now you want to kind of dump me off to the side. You gave Sean my top spot as a bad guy. I've alienated my fan base, um, you know, and and now I can't go back to being a good guy. What am I going to be able to do here in the World Wrestling Federation? You've kind of just taken everything away from me. This is according to Brett, of course. And so um, I guess apparently Vince helped him negotiate a deal with Eric Bischoff and WCW for a lot of money. But they needed to get the championship off of him. And because of his personal issues with Sean, according to Brett, he didn't want to drop the title to Sean. Not because it was in Montreal, even though he said that in the beginning, uh, but because of his issues with Sean. Because he felt that Sean wouldn't have done the favor for him. Um, So he doesn't want to do the favor for Sean. And they just had so many personal issues. They had that locker room fight in Hartford. And, uh, you know, Sean threatened to quit and go to WCW. And they just had so many issues behind the scenes that carried over onto the camera. And Brett was leaving, so they needed to get that big money match in with him and Sean for the title. And so um, because there was so many uh, political issues between the two and with Vince that there is a lot of stuff going on. In 97, um I didn't even know Brett was leaving to go to WCW until probably like two nights before Survivor Series. I re- I I really did. I was still like in the early infancy of um the internet and the dirt sheets and uh I um I didn't know that 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 Brett was on his way out the door. I didn't watch the pay-per-view live, but I remember um reading on the internet the next day that like he's gone and i'm like what and uh you know he um history showed us of course that brett you know was locked in his sharpshooter by Shawn michaels he was set to reverse it at least that's what he thought the finish was referee called for the bell vince was at ringside not on commentary which was strange because he was a regular commentator um each and every week on monday night raw and for the pay-per-views. and this time around he was not um which was very strange but he was present at ringside during the match with with, with him and sean so um history saw that Sean won the title and in Montreal in controversial fashion Bret Hart did not give up and he you know the beginning of the you know I got screwed you know and uh, it was um, it was a very surreal moment because we saw you know the 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 locker room politics and the backstage issues come to life in front of us uh, on camera and after reading a number of things and people have talked about this subject to death You know, if if it's a work, if it's a shoot and you know, I'm not gonna get into that. That may be a discussion for another day. But Shawn Michaels won the World Wrestling Federation Championship and Bret Hart was no longer a part of the World Wrestling Federation. He was headed to WCW. Now let's trade places here because this is probably the most interesting scenario out of all the trading places concepts that we have here on Kicking Out at 2 because of the ramifications re- surrounding what took place uh, in real life and Bret's exit from the WWF. You have, let's say, let's say Bret and Vince agreed to For Brett to keep the title. Maybe they sign an extension, or maybe they, you know, maybe he decides, you know what, um, you know, let's let's, you know, uh renegotiate your contract. I still want to keep you, um, but I can't pay you this much. Maybe they come to some sort of an agreement and you know, Vince decides, okay, you can keep the belt. Um, let's say Bret Hart wins in Montreal and leaves as the World Wrestling Federation champion. Where does Bret Hart go from there in 1997? I mean, um, Shawn Michaels and and Triple H and China and Rick Rude, they were really, really, really gaining some momentum as D-Generation X. And, uh, you know, they were the, the, the top bad guy group they kind of you know had taken that spot from the heart foundation at 1997 at the time it was like gang warfare you had the nation you had the doa you had the los barriquez you had the truth commission you had dx you had the heart foundation you had all different kinds of groups that were um that were a part of uh, part of the world wrestling federation at that time what if uh brett's victory uh wh- where does he stand as the champion where does he go from there well uh, there's plenty of guys he could work with, you know. If you remember SummerSlam 1997, he had that classic match with the Undertaker, and Undertaker ate a steel chair from uh, from uh, Shawn Michaels, who was the guest referee. Undertaker never got a rematch for the World Wrestling Federation title. Maybe at the next pay-per-view, which would have been T Generation X in your house. We would have seen Undertaker and Brett the Hitman Hart for the World Wrestling Federation Championship in a rematch. But let's let's kind of alter this scenario here a little bit. You gotta remember too, Brett has the Hart Foundation. Owen's got his issues with Austin. Davy Boy and Anvil are still kind of you know around. Does he is he still associated with the Hart Foundation? Is he still a bad guy? Um, or do the fans start to take a liking to Bret the Hitman Hart once again? Maybe this is the redemption tour. Maybe we see Bret Hart after he defeated Shawn Michaels, uh, proclaim that you know he's he's a, he's a changed person. He wants to change things and he wants you know his fans back. And he'll do anything to do that. And he starts by you know offering a title opportunity to the man that got screwed. At SummerSlam, The Undertaker. Maybe that's something that endears him to the fans. And, you know, puts a little more heat on Shawn Michaels and the D Generation X faction. Um, you know, he's 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 uh he's got, you know, history with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Maybe we see, you know, maybe Brett Stay's a bad guy, maybe with the Hart Foundation, and maybe Bret Hart, um has a rivalry with Steve Austin. Steve Austin just returning from neck surgery. He beats Owen Hart for the Intercontinental title after Owen Hart broke his neck at that same SummerSlam that Bret won the title, the the WWF title, I should say. Maybe Bret and Austin, uh, you know, are on a collision course for the WWF Championship. Maybe they save that to WrestleMania, you know? Maybe Bret and Austin is the plan for WrestleMania 14, uh, I really don't know. Or maybe they continue with Brett and Sean. Um, I mean there's still legs when it comes to that rivalry. Natural you know, a natural rivalry. Both guys have great chemistry in the ring, in front of the camera, on the microphone with each other. Maybe they continue Brett and Sean. Maybe this is become maybe Brett gets the victory and we're at one apiece and then they save it for Royal Rumble, or maybe they save it for WrestleMania fourteen, you know. There was a rumor and I don't know how true this is, but there was a rumor I'd read at that time that Brett and Sean was an option that was discussed for either Royal Rumble or WrestleMania in nineteen ninety-eight. So maybe if Brett wins the title, they set up him and Sean for the WWF championship at the Royal Rumble. Maybe it's a ladder match. You know, both guys were in the very first ladder match in World Wrestling Federation history. Uh, most will think that it's, you know, Razor and Shawn were in the first one at WrestleMania 10, but those two were in the very first ladder match in the WWF on a Coliseum home video exclusive. You can probably find that match on the WWE Network if you go in the collection section. I believe it's in the uh, the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels uh, rivalry section. You'll find it there. It was in the fall of 92 and it was for the Intercontinental title, but what if they do Bret and Shawn in a ladder match for the WWF title? I mean, Shawn's got a history with ladder matches. Bret and sean have a history with that first ladder match they both just got a history in general Uh, maybe it's a ladder match brett and sean for the the wwf championship at the royal rumble in 1998 um You know, at that time, uh, you also, like I said, you have Undertaker, you have Shawn Michaels, you have Steve Austin, um, Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock was a force to be reckoned with in the World Wrestling Federation. What if Ken Shamrock uh, were to step up and challenge Bret Hart for the WWF Championship? It was a few weeks prior to that Survivor Series that Shamrock, I believe, got into it with Bret in, in a match, as well as the following week, I believe, he wrestled either... I want to say it's Triple H or maybe even Shawn Michaels, but they were kind of toying around with the idea of Ken Shamrock in the main event. And uh, one of the rumored main events for that In Your House to Generation X pay per view was, I want to say it was Brett, Shawn, Undertaker, and Shamrock in a four way for the WWF Championship. And. What if they did Brett and Shamrock in a singles uh, based off of Shamrock's performance and defeating uh, the Nation of Domination, becoming the sole survivor in that Survivor Series match and Bret becoming, you know, keeping the World Wrestling Federation title. Brett and Shamrock, something that I can get behind. They both kind of had some on-screen history. Shamrock was the referee in that match with Brett and Austin at WrestleMania 13. So that's something that, you know, is not out of the realm. Uh, another individual that I, that I could see mixing it up with Bret for the championship was Vader. Vader um at that time Vader had uh you know kind of taken his stance against Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation and defending America if Bret was still going to be leading the charge for Canada and the the Hart Foundation faction maybe Vader gets an opportunity at the championship against Bret Hart um hell even the patriot uh, I wasn't a big fan of the Patriot, but the Patriot kind of came late to the party when it came to the USA-Canada storyline, and he was involved late um, in 97 with Brett. They had a match at the uh, the In Your House Ground Zero pay-per-view. Maybe we would have seen a continuation of Brett Hart and the Patriot in a singles match. That's probably the least likely scenario because I feel I feel like after that match with um, – the the Patriot was involved in with Brett that they didn't really have any serious plans for him going forward. And, you know, that was the end of him, but definitely a lot of different scenarios on the table that I could have seen, um, Brett get involved in, had he not been screwed, had he stayed and they gave him the win and he left Montreal with the title. Um, now, let, now, let's go on the other side of that equation here. You have Bret winning, keeping the title. And let's say he doesn't work with Shawn right away. Maybe they save him and Shawn, like, let's say, for Royal Rumble. Or maybe even they push it all the way to WrestleMania. And they hold the two of them off again. Um, where does Shawn Michaels go from here in 1997, in the fall of 97? Um, I mean, he had that classic with Undertaker. At the Hell in the Cell, you know, the very first Hell in the Cell match at the Bad Blood pay per view, even though Undertaker was screwed by Kane, um, maybe we see an Undertaker Shawn Michaels rematch of some kind, you know, closing out 97, maybe going into early 98. Uh, Maybe we see their paths cross in the 98 Royal Rumble match. I mean, who knows? Maybe he works with somebody entirely different and you see. Shawn Michaels wrestles stone-cold Steve Austin, you know, Austin just becoming the Intercontinental Champion, defeating Owen Hart, maybe we see Shawn Michaels and Austin lock up, Um, here's an interesting scenario, and for those of you that may or may not remember, it was an episode of Raw in November of 97, where DX was kind of stirring the pot, between the nation and the Hart foundation and they accused the Hart foundation of vandalizing the nation of domination's dressing room you saw um, all kinds of racial epithets, spray pan on the wall malcolm x signal and uh you know nothing nothing too risque but um very questionable and if you go back and you watch that episode of monday night raw i don't know exactly when it was i want to say it was like i want to say late october or yeah it must have been like late october um when that took place but uh the nation uh thought the heart foundation trashed their locker room because the Hart foundation's you know canadian flag was there and i believe like um one of the guys like anvil or bulldog's jacket was left in the dressing room as like evidence that they did it and um it had appeared that dx had set them up it wasn't you know DX didn't come outright and say that we did it, but uh, it was alluded to that DX had kind of set up the Hart Foundation, you know, uh, with that issue with the nation. What if we saw Sean and Hunter um, D-Generation X feud with the nation of domination? You know, early the early stages of a Triple H-Rock rivalry or the first time that Shawn Michaels and The Rock would ever touch. I mean, that's a dream match in and of itself. So imagine had Shawn Michaels lost in Montreal, they shifted, DX shifted their focus to the nation of domination. Um, you know, possibilities definitely endless when it comes to uh, this scenario here and probably one of the most, uh, you know, uh, talked about Championship matches in Survivor Series history in wrestling history. This event changed. You know, th- this moment changed the course of wrestling as we know it. Um, it. You know, We had a peek behind the curtain. But when we all found out that, you know, Vince McMahon changed the result of the match on the fly and they screwed Brett the way that they did. It really busted the curtain wide open for all of us to really get a behind-the-scenes look and a peek as to as to the the inner workings of uh, how things go in the wrestling world. So yeah, just just a few fun scenarios we have there when it comes to the Survivor Series 1997. We're in the home stretch here as we're down to our last two matches on this Trading Places Survivor Series concept. I'd like to thank all of you so much for hanging in with me here as I fly solo this week. Um, we're moving to 1999. And 1999 was a banner year for the WWF at the time because they were riding high. They had basically um, dominated the, 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 the sports entertainment wrestling world, taken over the lead in the ratings in the Monday Night Wars over WCW. And they were just red hot. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Triple H's ascension uh, mankind becoming a major player the Undertaker of course evolving Kane um, all all the you know the, the Mr. McMahon and the the, the Austin McMahon storyline I mean you had you know Edge and Christian the Dudleys the Hardys you had all kinds of of um of of great things taking place under one roof and really, really, really setting the table for what the future of WWF WWE was going to be in the next several years. The main event or one of the main events, I should say of this pay-per-view was a, was supposed to be a triple threat match for the world wrestling federation championship triple h was to defend the world wrestling federation championship against both stone cold steve austin and the rock in a triple threat match with vince mcmahon as the guest referee um It was in late 1999 that Triple H was really, really, really gaining some steam and really becoming a major player in the main event. Uh, He had won the WWF Championship from Mankind the night after SummerSlam 1997, and then he had lost it to Vince McMahon a few weeks later, only to win it back in a six-pack challenge at the Unforgiven Pay-Per-View. Along the way, he had laid waste to Stone Cold Steve Austin and really made that rivalry personal, as well as The Rock. The Rock had... uh, uh, had eaten a few pedigrees and uh, been on the wrong end of uh, a sledgehammer or two courtesy of triple H. And so triple H had gone into the no mercy event in October of 99, defending the championship against uh, stone cold Steve Austin. And before that match were to take place, the rock had come out and cut in a cut up interview and basically proclaimed that he was the next number one contender for the world wrestling federation championship whoever the champion was whether it be triple h or stone cold steve austin he's coming for that title as the rock was leaving to go up the ramp it was triple h who had laid waste to the rock with a sledgehammer um And then uh, not too long after that, he had made his way down to the ring to uh, compete in his championship match against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Fun match. Both guys all over the building. It was no disqualification, no holds barred. Um, And just when you thought uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to gain the upper hand and the momentum... Out comes The Rock with a sledgehammer in hand, and he was definitely had his sights set on Triple H, but Triple H moved out of the way, and Rock nailed Austin in the stomach with that sledgehammer. Triple H then disposed of The Rock, covering Austin and retaining the world wrestling federation championship at that no mercy it would be the following night on raw that rock and austin both wanted an opportunity at the title and vince had told them you'll both get a shot and you'll both be in the championship match at survivor series against triple h in a triple threat match um i don't remember how far along it was until uh uh, mcmahon inserted himself as the guest referee in this match but History saw a lot of things take place uh, before this match and then during this match, of course. Number one, um, it was during this pay-per-view that we saw the infamous uh, Who Ran Over Austin with the Lincoln Town Car as Stone Cold Steve Austin was chasing after Triple H and DX in the parking lot of the Joe Louis Arena. And... A, when he couldn't find them, uh, a, a black Lincoln town car found him and ran him over, uh, thus eliminating him from the match. And the reason why they had eliminated him from the match was because uh, Austin was suffering from some se- some severe neck issues. He was going to need neck surgery, stemming from his incident with the spike pile driver from Owen Hart in uh, August of 97 at SummerSlam that year. He never really got that you know figured out. And, and worked out he kind of you know battled through the pain and then of course over time he you know with his red hot run as the champion he um you know he never he, he didn't take any time off to get that looked at and worked at and it just became worse over time so it got to the point where they had to remove him from the match and that's how they did it with this uh, this who ran over austin storyline and i'll just never forget you know That pay-per-view, going into that pay-per-view, I was so pumped for that triple threat because I was a big Triple H guy. I was a big fan of The Rock. Um and surprisingly enough i was not i mean i love stone cold but i wasn't like rock was my guy if i chose anyone it was rock over stone cold but the three of them together i was like man this is gonna be awesome vince is the ref like they're they're playing off the whole screw job that you know what vince did you know the year prior helping the rock win the title they played off of vince screw and brett a couple of years before that and it was uh there was there was a lot of fun hype going into that match that was you know to me that was a one match card right there the rest of that survivor series card they they built it very poorly it fucking sucked in my opinion um and with austin's exclusion from the match it only made things worse as they um they took him out and you know i remember watching on pay-per-view i was hoping that you know because this is 1999 this is attitude era you know for Christ's sakes, guys were getting, you know, guys were using automobiles as weapons all the time and, you know, Undertaker was sacrificing people and people were coming back from all kinds of insurmountable odds. I thought, oh shit. Austin gets run over, but he's going to come back and be a part of the match, but they uh they 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 uh they used a touch of uh common sense and reality and they they didn't have Austin return for the match and instead they replaced him with Big Show. Big Show at the time um, was going through a little bit of a, a, a character phase, you know, a little transition uh, phase in his character as uh, they were trying to uh, get sympathy behind him. They had done a storyline that his father had died of cancer. He was involved in a storyline with the Big Boss Man. And then not too long after that, um, Big Show had won a Survivor Series elimination match all by himself, defeating the entire team Uh that the Big Boss Man uh, had with, uh, I want to say it was like Midian, Viscera, and like Prince Albert or something, and Boss Man. Big Show destroyed his own team because he didn't want anyone to fight with him, so he beat the other four. Um, They put him in the match, and it was an okay triple threat. Vince was not the referee. Uh, He had gone to the hospital to check on Austin, but... um, there was, uh, you know, all kinds of issues with DX getting involved, X-Pac and Road Dog and Billy. And then Vince finally showed up and he nails Hunter with the title. And then that results in Big Show choke slamming Triple H. Vince puts the referee shirt on. He makes the count. And the Big Show is your new World Wrestling Federation champion. Now, another scenario here where you can go in all kinds of different directions. Okay, so kind of bear with me here a little bit. You have, let's say, let's say The Rock won that championship and he regained the World Wrestling Federation title. What path would The Rock have gone on uh, as the WWF champion at the end of 1999? We probably would have seen a lot more of Rock and Triple H because the two of them have great chemistry together and they put out great matches, Um, but... Maybe we would have seen Rock as the champion and um, maybe we would have seen the Rock and Big Show's rivalry expedited a little bit sooner. If you remember, Rock and Big Show had a rivalry going into the Royal Rumble in 2000 uh, when Big Show felt Rock was disrespecting him and the other individuals involved in the Royal Rumble match, which thus turning Big Show into a bad guy. Maybe Big Show uh, would have been upset that The Rock got the victory in the championship match, and after everything Big Show's went through between boss man torturing him over his father uh, passing away from cancer, maybe Big Show would have snapped, and we would have seen Big Show turn sooner and attack The Rock and be the next threat to The Rock. Um, maybe we would have seen, like I said, recent Rock and Triple H. Maybe Rock would have went through uh, much of DX who knows? Maybe we would have seen a renewed rivalry with Rock and Mick Foley. You know, in 1999, Rock and Mankind were, uh, you know, Rock and Mankind, you know, had some classics with the I Quit match, the Empty Arena match, the Last Man Standing match. Um, you know, they wrestled, you know, from November all the way till February on pay-per-view, uh, and they just had some great matches. And so maybe we would have seen... A mankind transformation into Cactus Jack. Maybe Cactus Jack would have returned and brought a more sadistic side to The Rock. Hell, who knows? Maybe, just maybe, we would have seen the return of Dude Love last time we had seen dude love was when dude love was doing the bidding for mr mcmahon against stone cold steve austin following wrestlemania 14 maybe we would have seen a dude love resurgence and bad guy dude love doing the bidding for just himself to become the wwf champion over the rock maybe that would have been something a little bit interesting or which face of foley was the rock going to have to face and defend the WWF championship against he had he had experienced mankind but he's not quite familiar with Cactus Jack or Dude Love um, but at the same time Mick Foley was such a popular character and he was like the closest thing to a teddy bear that you could promote in the wwf at the time that i don't think that they were willing to risk uh turning mick foley into a bad guy especially with their number one bad er, or good guy stone cold steve austin on the shelf they needed foley as a good guy in the role so um that's probably one of the least likely scenarios here now let's say for instance triple h were to have won the or kept his wwf championship Maybe we'll see a series of rematches with The Rock. Maybe we'll see a series of rematches with The Big Show. Hell, um, maybe we'll see Triple H and Mankind take place a lot sooner, you know, um, which would then result in Mankind reforming into Cactus Jack heading into the 2000 Royal Rumble. Who knows? Maybe. And we saw this the month, the, the the following month, you know, Triple H and Vince McMahon headlined the 1999 Armageddon pay-per-view um, based on the, uh, the, the issues the two of them had with Vince screwing Hunter out of the title and then Hunter, you know, doping Stephanie McMahon up in Las Vegas and marrying her. What if we saw Vince challenge for the WWF championship against Triple H, but on pay-per-view? It happened on, you know, one of the very early episodes of SmackDown where Vince McMahon won the championship. What if Vince, you know, let his his crazy, insane train of thought take over and he decides, well, I'm going to go after the WWF championship and I'm going to defeat Triple H for it. And then, you know, Triple H is going to be fired. That's something we could have seen in 1999. It's not out of the realm, you know. 1999 was a very um, uh, Wild West kind of feel when it came to the storylines in the World Wrestling Federation. So that's something I think we could have seen um, had Triple H won. Now, here's another scenario that we, we didn't touch upon. Let's trade some places once again. Let's say Big Show wasn't in this match. Let's say Austin didn't have to walk away and you know, go get neck surgery, and he was healthy. What if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins the World Wrestling Federation Championship, regains that title? Where does he go from there as the champion? I mean, you could insert him in The Rock, but I'm sure that they wanted, at the time, they wanted to save that for a big money match like a WrestleMania. Or you could see him in Triple H go down the line and have a series of rematches. Those matches were always fun. But what about maybe Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Big Show? I mean, they could have easily found a way to insert Big Show into the title picture following his dominant victory in the Survivor Series match against four other guys. I mean, that that could have been easily a, a reason to give The Big Show an opportunity at the championship against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, keep in mind, Vince McMahon would be the referee in this match he wouldn't be eliminated as the referee um, because austin wouldn't have been run over and he doesn't need a reason to go to the hospital Um, but what if vince were to have helped austin win the championship and screw triple h where does that leave austin there's a lot of different scenarios you could have you could have gone with it maybe just maybe um you were to, you were to have seen you know Austin work with other guys in DX like Billy Gunn or or an X-Pac. I'm not saying Austin and X-Pac would have headlined a pay-per-view, but maybe on a Monday Night Raw, Triple H would have tried to get his buddies to do the bidding for him. You know, um, there were a lot of other you know big names at the time in the World Wrestling Federation that could have been um, sizable opponents for Steve Austin as the champion. But um, if there's one likely scenario coming out of this trading places when it comes to this triple threat match i would probably venture to guess that it was the 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 big the, the the one that took place the big show winning the championship i mean they had to do something that was going to you know uh be a memorable moment and get people's mind off the fact that Austin was taken out of the match and Big Show's character had been gaining a little bit more momentum and a little bit more sympathy and you know capping off a championship victory at the last minute not long after his dad died in the storyline is is something that you know just about anybody can get behind those feel-good moments in wrestling even though we all knew it was a storyline and it was hokey uh, we definitely could could have gotten, you know. Definitely, I was definitely behind it. It was, it was cool, but I mean, at the same time, like, I was still very selfish and disappointed that we didn't get to see Austin in the Triple Threat. But I was, I was okay with Big Show winning the championship, even though he didn't have a very memorable first run as the WWF Champion. Um, it was definitely a, a, a nice little consolation prize. Uh, coming off of uh, the, the absence of Stone Cold Steve Austin as we get to our final match in this Survivor Series Trading Places Series here on Kicking Out It 2. It comes from 2001 with an a original classic 5-on-5 Survivor Series elimination match. It was the Alliance comprising of WCW and ECW Taking on the World Wrestling Federation for control of the WWF now let's uh, let's kind of go back in time a little bit here uh, and how this all came about. We had Shane McMahon, who was at odds with his father Vince McMahon, both owners of the World Wrestling Federation. Shane McMahon had sold his stock. Uh, to purchase WCW right out from under the nose of Vince McMahon. And as we all know, uh, that was simply storyline. But, you know, the World Wrestling Federation purchased WCW and they turned, you know, the McMahon family power struggle into that storyline. And not too long after that, Shane McMahon had taken his uh, WCW um, troops and aligned themselves with Paul Heyman and ECW which would then result in Paul Heyman revealing that he had sold his ECW to Stephanie McMahon. And they turned this interpromotional warfare into a family affair, which really, you know, we'll probably talk about this at a later date, but this was probably one of the, the, the most disappointing fantasy warfare storylines in the history of wrestling. I mean, everyone wanted to see WWF and WCW and, it it didn't come to be unfortunately Shane Helm said it best it's like uh you know, WCW put out their JV squad against uh, WWF's varsity team, and it, it just looked like a big giant mismatch, and that's what it pretty much was. So we we it got to the point where it was so mismatched that they had to take some guys from the WWF and put them over on the WCW ECW side, which they called them the Alliance because they didn't even want to reference WCW and ECW. How dare they do such a thing? How dare they acknowledge that there were two other wrestling organizations that made an impact on the history of professional wrestling? How dare they do such a thing? My goodness! Excuse me. And uh, so, anyhow, you had these—you know—these the, two—you know—groups that formed an alliance to try and take out the World Wrestling Federation. And on the alliance side, you had defectors: Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was the WWF champion; uh, Kurt Angle, another defector from the World Wrestling Federation; you had Booker T, uh, Rob Van Dam, who represented ECW, and Shane McMahon. Against the team of The Rock, Chris Jericho, The Big Show, Kane, and The Undertaker. And it was a winner-take-all scenario. If the Alliance won, they would control the World Wrestling Federation. There would be no more Monday Night Raw. It would be Alliance Raw. I think that's what Paul Heyman called it. Um, History showed us that The Rock was the sole survivor for Team WWF in defeating Stone Cold Steve Austin with a little bit of help from Kurt Angle, who had just defected to the Alliance a few weeks prior. Kurt Angle was the mole for the World Wrestling Federation all along to help them remain intact and get rid of the WCW-ECW Alliance. Now... In in turn, following that, um, you know, going into the going into that pay per view, it was it was mentioned that, um, you know, anyone that worked for the Alliance champions and uh, you know other people would no longer have a job with with the World Wrestling Federation. Um, but however, it turned out that the the wrestlers in the Alliance that were champions that um, won their matches or had a championship that was a World Wrestling Federation-sanctioned title, they were still allowed to keep their job. So Stone Cold Steve Austin was the WWF champion, but his team lost. So everyone else on his team went bye-bye, and he <laughs> he, he ended up keeping his job. Um, and he was the one that took the pinfall. So how ironic and uh, and and stupid from a creative standpoint at the same time. But let's trade some places here for a minute. Okay, Let's go with the obvious. What if the Alliance won? What if Stone Cold Steve Austin and and Kurt Angle and Booker T and Shane McMahon and Rob Van Dam, won? if they won or what if one of them from that team won or a combination of those guys were to defeat the World Wrestling Federation? What would have happened? Well, um, I can't see them relaunching WCW Monday Nitro, um, but I would venture to guess that if they were to have won, I couldn't see this alliance takeover of the world wrestling federation lasts very long maybe a couple of weeks a month two months tops i'm not, actually i'm not even stretching it with two months i'll just say a month um I, I couldn't see it really taking place i mean i could see like you know maybe them winning and screwing over the world wrestling federation and then um vince mcmahon and the troops of the wwf they invade a few of these alliance you know monday night raws and smackdown events and uh we we pick things up where they left off maybe they do like a final you know winner take all kind of match even though the survivor series match was a winner take all uh maybe we see the tables turn this time around and vince mcmahon has the troops storming storming the uh the arenas every single week in hopes that you know they can Uh, You know, uh, get a get a face to face and come to some kind of compromise. Another match with with big implications on the line. You know, Uh, but yeah, I don't really see any kind of alliance, um, uh, long term plans. If they had won uh, the the World Wrestling, you know, if if they won from the World Wrestling Federation in that traditional Survivor Series match, Um, now. There was a point in that match where Jericho had almost cost the WWF the victory. Um, he had uh, Jericho had some issues with The Rock leading up to it in the weeks prior, but um, Jericho's character was really starting to come um, full circle as, a, as a, a main event player in the WWF. He had won the WCW title a month prior. He was a tag team champion with The Rock. They're taking Jericho more seriously, and Jericho uh, lost the match or lost, you know, the, the pinfall and had to be eliminated. But he attacked The Rock following that and really stacked the deck against The Rock in the closing moments of that match against the Alliance. And I could see he another scenario taking place. I could see Jericho being the one to maybe cost The Rock. the 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 pinfall but jericho being the one that gets the victory and then maybe that expedites his opportunity at the undisputed championship even further you know maybe maybe he gets to that championship match a little bit sooner granted they had the match a month later maybe that's the maybe that's the feather in jericho's cap it's like well i saved the world wrestling federation i did it on my own i put the wwf on my back i deserve an opportunity to be the champion um, that's something I could have seen at the time because Jericho was really, um, walking that fine line of uh baby face and heel, especially going against a very popular, uh, uh, in the, a person in the rock. So, um, that's, that's a scenario I could definitely, um, I could get behind and I could see very possible. Um, would we still, would we still see the, uh, the, the, the turn, so to speak when it comes to, um. When it comes to uh, Kurt Angle helping the World Wrestling Federation? Possibly. Probably. I mean, um, I, I wouldn't be against it whatsoever. But uh, here's, a, here's, a, here's a little scenario here. Um, you know, what if... Um, <laughs> and this is way out there. But, um, as we all know, in 2002, uh, Vince McMahon brought back the NWO with Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Hulk Hogan. What if... Uh, we saw an nwo invasion in this match and we didn't have a winner what if it came down to austin and rock at survivor series and we saw eric bischoff show up and the infamous nwo music and they laid out vince at the top of the ramp and then they laid out hogan or uh, austin and rock in the middle of the ring spray paint nwo and we ended survivor series without a clear-cut winner there was no winner in, in in the final match, the winner take all match. That's something that would, to me, probably save that abysmal alliance storyline uh, and their takeover of the World Wrestling Federation in two thousand and one. But that's that's pretty far fetched for that time period, um I will say. But I think that would have been a pretty cool ending. And that's me just putting my fantasy booking cap on, even though I hate to do that on this show, as we close things out here on this Survivor Series Trading Places episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Don't forget hit us up on social media if you have not already. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Be a part of all the interactive fun that's going on over there. Hit that like button if you know somebody that hasn't hit the like button you tell them to hit the like button. Join the discussion, videos, pictures, debates. It's all over there. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Same goes for Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter. Twitter, our handle is at kicking out two k i c k n o u t and the number two following isn't as big as it is on Facebook, but if you if you give us a follow. You might be able to help change that. Uh, so hit us up over there on Twitter. And next week over at SoundCloud.com, we're in the giving mood. We're in the Thanksgiving mood as we are going to uh, we're going to uh, describe to you all what it what it's like to be thankful as a wrestling fan. What are we thankful for in professional wrestling as fans? Whether it be thankful for interactions of of, of meeting different wrestlers, to thankful that you know wrestling has brought us together as, as close friends or even as family Dennis J. Levy who you remember from our Glow Retrospective as well as our Guilty Pleasures episode he's going to join me and we're going to discuss what we are thankful for as wrestling fans next week on Kicking Out at 2 and later that week we're also going to give you guys a bonus show a black friday bonus show because you know thanksgiving the holiday you may have some family in town that you're probably really sick and tired of being around they've kind of gotten on your nerves well head on out to the stores do your black friday christmas shopping but bring a set of earbuds with your phone and walk around the store and do your holiday shopping with us on kicking out at two as we give you a well what are we going to talk about well i don't know yet but you'll just have to find Find out. Tune in next Friday, November the 23rd on Black Friday for a special Black Friday bonus edition of Kicking Out at 2. All right. It's about that time we put this show down for the three count. There was no Montreal screw jobs in this finish, that's for sure. It was very clean. It was right in the middle. We didn't have any crooked referees or crooked promoters. It's all done this week here on Kicking Out at 2.